This week on episode 3 of Tech Telegraph, we tackle Taylor Swift, Uber starting riots in Paris, condoms, the Confederate flag, the Apple Watch, and more. Hey, and welcome to Tech Telegraph. This is your host, Aaron Markey, and with me are Cody and Zach. Cody, how would you say hi? Tell us what happened. Uh, what'd you do this week? Well, this week I made a lot of very stupid purchasing decisions and went to Chicago where I made more stupid purchasing decisions. So I would say it was about a typical week. What about you, Zach? What, what happened in your week? Um, not a whole lot. I, I've still been working, trying to get some things fixed on my car, having a little bit of car issues lately. But uh, apart from that, I got a new microphone, so there's no longer any sort of uh, audio issues, hopefully. But uh, other than that, not a whole lot. How about you, Aaron? Well, I started the weekend by going to Chicago. I got one of the best meals of my life at a restaurant in Chicago. I spent a lot of money in Chicago, made some decisions, purchasing decisions that uh, I probably shouldn't have, and then I spent this week um, printing off posters at work that, uh, you know, I probably shouldn't have at work. So, you know, just, you know, just, just wasting time at work proactively, I guess. But... Nice. Yeah, I don't know, but other, I mean, tech-wise, a lot of stuff kind of happened this week. There was um, a lot of stuff happening with Apple and Uber. So let's just jump into the to the main uh, news story, which is the whole Apple and Taylor Swift controversy over them not paying artists during the free trial. Yeah. So basically, what happened? What started this whole thing was Taylor Swift posted a. Uh, an op-ed piece on Tumblr stating, you know, calling out Apple and saying that by not paying artists during the three-month free trial that's going to happen when Apple Music first comes out, that, you know, they're setting a bad precedent for the streaming business and that they're basically uh, stealing music from the artist and it's not fair that they don't get paid for their work for three months. Um, and a lot of other stuff happened, but that's what, that's what, that's what started this whole thing was, uh, you know, a very vocal, uh, uh, I'm not rant by Taylor Swift, I guess. What do you guys think about that? Do you, have you guys dug into it? Do you have any opinions on it? Yeah. Um, it's just another Taylor Swift complaining about streaming music. Um, I think Apple probably had plans to pay during the trial period because a little bit after that um, Apple Music signs uh, signed the Beggars Group uh, which is a pretty large indie label um, so I, I, I don't think that they just they scrambled in the couple of days that they had between when Taylor Swift wrote that letter and and they signed this company. I think it was something that they, they realized that they needed to have that and they needed to to actually pay the artists. Um, so when you think about the the indie indie artists, like Taylor was saying, they're they're pretty much going without pay for 
a quarter of a year. And it would be kind of like asking me to develop applications for a quarter of a year without being paid like that. I'm, I wouldn't do that. I would tell the company that they can go do something that wouldn't be <laughs> politically correct. Um, no. So, so I actually, she specifically brings us up. She's at the very end of her letter. She says, we don't ask you for free iPhone. So don't ask us to give you something for free. And you know, she's right about that. You don't, they don't give away free iPhones. We don't ask for free iPhones, but they give away a crap ton of services for free. Like, you kind of have to, honestly, like, as an artist, I think you in the 21st century, you're going to have to accept that your music is kind of like your lost leader product, and you just have to accept it. That is going to get you almost nothing, and that touring and merchandising and stuff of that, like, of stuff of that nature is what's going to get you your money. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't pay artists, and no, no one should pay for music, or that we should be pirating or anything like that, but I think there are so many other opportunities to gain value through your music other than actually selling the music um and i mean don't i am like a self-proclaimed like i love taylor a lot she's like one of my favorite artists on the entire planet um but every time i read anything she ever writes i can't help but lose respect for and think that she's a spoiled child and I mean, I guess speaking of people who don't love Taylor Swift, um, photographers, uh, Jason Sheldon, he he published an open letter to Taylor Swift accusing her of being a hypocrite um, by accusing Apple of treating artists unfairly while uh, herself was handing out heavy-handed contracts for concert photographers to sign, um, essentially telling the, the photographers that they they can only sell the pictures that she is okay with and they can only sell them once and all the other ones everything else that they take but pretty much belongs to her agency to use as as they want and if the photographer steps out of line they they do something they don't like and the contract um you're actually like they have permission to break that photographer's gear which what i think is pretty crazy yeah it's she, I don't know. She's just, she's a very hypocritical in a lot of senses. I, I don't know. She's yeah. This week it's a I, complex like, week for me and Taylor Swift. I'm not sure how we're doing. No, I I, I agree. It's it's a complex week for my, myself and Taylor as well. I I don't think I like her very much right now. So, with her whole, uh, just going back to the music thing real quick. Like with her writing her whole or whole blog post. Do you think that had any effect on Apple's um, decision to pay? Or do you think they already had that in mind? Like, I don't know. Do you, I, I don't know. Go ahead. I, I think that they had some plans in motion to pay smaller indie artists because Mm -hmm. I mean, without being paid, I doubt these, um, you know, these record labels that represent uh, independent artists would sign with them. But like when they announced, they, so Apple backtracked on the whole not paying during the free month, uh, free three months, and then said they're going to start paying artists. And right when they did that, Eddie Q from Apple tweeted directly at Taylor saying, "Hey, we're paying artists now." So oh, yeah. I definitely think she had something to do with it. And I mean, we can go on and on about if she's a good artist, if she's a bad artist, but we 
like we can all agree that she's highly influential in the music industry and that if she says something like people listen yeah i think she definitely brought it to the attention of everyone like i i knew that they weren't getting paid for three months but i kind of let that roll off my back like yeah you know what does it matter like i don't write music so i it wasn't something that i thought of that not being paid by apple for three months would really be that detrimental right but i mean just to make it clear though they're only paying point zero zero yeah two cents per uh, per stream, which is one fifth of a single penny per stream during the free trial, and that's going to go up once people start paying for the uh, for the service. They haven't said how much it's going to go up by, and they haven't said if everyone's only getting paid that one fifth of a penny, or if only some people and some people are getting paid a different rate. But just to put that in perspective, um. Spotify for their free tier, they pay point zero 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 nine of a penny. So, so is that more or less? Like I that's I less. That's bench. okay. So instead of it being one fifth of a penny, it's one tenth of a penny. Okay. So it's half as much, roughly. And Spotify paid. So if you're an actual for you know if you stream something and you're a paid subscriber, um, point zero zero six nine of your or per stream goes to um, the record label, which is uh, about three times as much as what Apple's free tier is. So it's about three-fifths of a penny. Okay. So by those numbers, can we assume that Apple might, might I guess, I don't know, I'm, I'm guessing if they're paying more for their free trial period that they'll pay more once people start paying for the service well so if you look at some of the contracts leaked that apple signed with some of the larger record labels and instead of it being a uh like 70 30 split on profits for music like it is with spotify they're paying up to like 73 or 74 percent so we can expect to see it bigger but i wouldn't think it's going to be like enormously bigger mm-hmm. um I mean, once they didn't announce that they were paying artists during the free uh, trial, she did backtrack and say that her uh, 1989 album is going to be available on uh, Apple Music from the get-go. So, and is that so? I, I don't know if you know, like, what other like does she have that on any other streaming services? I know Play Music she doesn't. I'm pretty sure Spotify she doesn't. I don't yeah, know she if- she doesn't have anything on Spotify at all. Oh no! Um, she okay. took her entire catalog off Spotify. You can get everything except for 1989 on Google Music. Yeah, and I haven't used anything else, so I don't know. But I mean, it's interesting. I honestly don't know what her relationship is with Pandora because I mean, Pandora is mainly free streaming, free streaming radio, and I'm not sure if her night stuff off 1989 is available on that or not. I, yeah, I don't know if it would. I mean, I would imagine it might be just because it's more of a radio but um yeah i don't know uh, it's just i i mean i enjoy your music i like like listening to it a lot but between this and her pulling her stuff off spotify a few months ago um i just i'm just she really comes off as a spoiled child i know in the letter she's saying that I'm doing this for all the artists and for everyone who hasn't made it yet and people who can't afford to 
like sell their album and make money off of it, yada yada yada. But I don't know. It just it just sounds like when she's writing this that no one checked her. Like she did, no PR person checked what she was writing. She just published it to the internet um, without thinking, and she just it's just indicative of someone that doesn't understand how the music industry works or how it's going. I mean, I've, she obviously has a more in depth knowledge than I do about the intricate inner workings of how record labels work and how music is distributed and created and whatnot. But she's just someone like she, if she keeps resisting change, like she's just going to be left behind or people are going to pirate her stuff. Like that's just what's going to happen. Yeah, I would agree. I think, I mean the, the music industry, she's also on title. If anyone actually uses that. I don't even know what title is. Yeah, say I haven't heard you, of it. Zach? Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> is that thing by Jay Z? Oh, jeez. The high fidelity, high fidelity music streaming thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't think because that's like what fifteen or twenty dollars a it's month. It's twenty dollars a month. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't care enough about music quality to want to have the high fidelity and have that eat up my bandwidth. No thanks. Um, I'm sorry. I derailed the conversation. <laughs> what we were talking yeah. about. Um, well, I mean, I, I was just, I was starting to talk about just the music industry and and trying to make money from selling, um, concert, concert tickets and concert merchandise. And I guess this might be a good, good time to segue into Google, um, launching their own free music streaming service. So kind of like Mm -hmm. the Spotify free, free tier where users will be able to stream anything from Google music, but it'll be, um, you'll begin ads, you'll begin limited skips and there will be no offline play, playbacks. So, um, it's, I was just going to say it's, it, uh, it sounds like, like Pandora added to Google, like Google Pandora. Yeah. Honestly. Um, as someone, I use Google music a lot and the way they are doing the, uh, radio, you know, they, playlist thing automatic radio playlist is uh they bought a company called songza and they're just still available for free yeah um honestly there's out of all the playlists i've ever played from them i've gotten two that i've actually enjoyed really yeah i saw this and i wanted to start using it and i honestly i think i just forgot to try it out but now that we're going over this again i think i'm probably going to try it out uh maybe this weekend just driving to and from places like just trying not to play this because I'm curious to see how that how that works because I don't pay for Google Music myself but it sounds like I mean just from by definition it sounds like a Google Pandora honestly you honestly should just listen to Pandora or like get some playlist that some guy you know, like generated on Spotify because really? in my opinion the songs or sorry the Google Music uh, playlists are that bad really yeah I mean, I haven't had huge issues with it. There's um, this one, like, 90s punk thing that I, I've i been listening to. Um, I mean, they, they have some pretty decent playlists, but you kind of have to dig at them a little bit. Um, they have a pretty good cinema cinematographer or cinema... Uh, I don't know, it's basically uh, movie scores, but they don't have enough of them. So after you've heard the first 10 or 15... You've heard them all. So well, that's the worst about all variety, these playlists. That'd be nice. Is yeah, like you, they're only like twenty or thirty songs long, so you've heard all the songs an hour and a half in. Yeah, I I would definitely agree with that. 
Uh, it's it'll be interesting to see, especially when what well, we're four or five days out from Apple Music coming out. Yeah. So, when does it come out for Android again? Fall. Fall. That'll be a bit for me. <laughs> Just curious. I don't think they're giving Android a free trial, but I think they're giving Windows Phone a free trial. Oh, wait, no, you're not serious. They are not giving Windows Phone a free trial. I Windows. thought they were. There's Maybe. no way how. There's no. There's no. Apple Music app for Windows Phone. When when it comes out in the fall, I think Windows Phone is supposed to begin the trial. What? And Android is not. From what I remember here, nope. which my memory that, isn't always very good, but... That does not make any, def- any sense. That has to be... There's no way. There's no way they're going to make an app for Windows Phone. Or I think they're back to calling it Windows Mobile 10. Well, I think... I, I'm pretty sure it is coming out for Windows Phone. And I mean, if they give a free trial to Windows Phone, it's not like they'd be losing a bunch of money. Yeah. Because there's like know. three people. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. I guess like if someone is listening right now and I'm just completely making up lies, um, feel free to call me out in the show notes or in our iTunes. Um, Raiden's just, you know, let everyone know that I'm stupid, but still give us five stars, please. Well, you're stupid regardless. But. <laughs> Um, do we want to, are, are we done with this or? Yeah, let's move, move on. on? Okay. I mean, it, it seems like it's something that we can probably talk about for quite a while and we have. Oh yeah. Have let's some just, more let's stuff just move. to talk just... about. All right. Let's talk about some fun Uber news. So pretty much what, what got us started on, on Uber this week was an article from Bloomberg. Uh, it's called, this is how Uber takes over a city. Uh, and it's essentially about how Uber got into Portland, Oregon. Um, and it's a, it's a really long read. It's took me probably a half hour. It's a read. really good read, though. It is a I really good read. It. it is. Um, but the gist of it, pretty much what I got from it was Uber has a lot of lobbyists. So in the article, it shows all the different lobbyists that they have in each state. Um, so, for example, Illinois has, let's see, 10 lobbying firms and then two actual lobbyists working with them. Wisconsin has four lobbyists. Nevada has, looks like 16, 18 lobbyists. Pretty much, they have a lot of lobbyists and um, they try and use that as a way to kind of strong arm their way into into a city. Well, they, uh, they need to, though. Yeah, like, yeah, with the taxi industry, they're pretty crazy i mean everywhere in the world whether you're talking new york city or chicago or paris which we'll talk about a little bit more um or london like you have the tax industry is a monopoly and everywhere it's at whether it's run by our government or a local government or some international government um you you've had these this this way of you know quote-unquote public transit that's been happening for years now and they just don't want to see competition i mean that's what my opinion is i know there's another side do i understand that like insurance there's insurance issues and like are uber employees actually employers or are uber employees actually employees of uber or are they just contractors or like do they get um benefits for being uber employees i know there's a huge argument to be made for the other side but as someone who likes to see change and likes to see things progress i hate the fact that there is an industry in the world that hasn't changed other than the fact that they drive newer priuses every year for like 60 years yeah and i mean speaking about 
not so like with the taxi industry industry and um like just transportation in general not not really changing or i guess mass transit not changing uh uber does a pretty good job because they they get their users out and they they pretty much are like hey go on social media like fill out this petition let let everyone know that you want uber here um and that's really one way that you get change in this country is to actually get people to go out and protest and really just let people know about their opinion instead of playing angry birds so um i feel like that's one good thing that that uber does and um when the taxi industry in portland they were trying to i don't remember what exactly they were they're fighting over but uh uber pretty much let all their users know hey the taxi industry is doing xyz um let let them know that you don't want that actually looking through the article it's um it was so it was a bill for the taxi industry um that would require higher insurance coverage so um yeah they they pretty much had their users go out and and let lawmakers know we don't want that um and yeah i guess going back into the the lobbyists um, Uber also like they just have a lot of legal resources. I mean, they're they're forty to fifty billion dollar company, but Portland was pretty much thinking that if if they end up in court, um, they would pretty much have to lose based on just like the resources. So Portland pretty much knew that Uber was coming to town. They were trying to figure out, I guess, the best way of of letting them in. And Uber in the end, they end up paying sixty seven thousand dollars in fines and. They Which are. is like nothing. That's like that's <laughs> that's not even a drop in the bucket. That's a drop in the drop of the bucket. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, and then yeah, so it's it's really a, a, honestly it's a, it's a good read um, if you're interested in how Uber does does their work um, and how they get into cities. Um, but I mean, I guess we can go on to other Uber news in France. There are taxi drivers that are. Um, locking down Paris in a giant anti-Uber protest. So you have French taxi drivers um, holding people hostage. They're I like I think you know a little bit more about Aaron, but I think they're they're pretty much getting people in from the airport and then just not letting them leave their taxi. Is that what's like one of the things that they're doing? Or they're so the, uh, the through this protest, they're doing all kinds of crazy things. I mean, it's not just a sit-down protest. They're not just sitting in front of uh in, in front of intersections or anything kind of like in london they just uh, lined their taxes up in the road and just froze up traffic i mean they're doing that but they're also doing active things like if you get an uber car in front of an airport like they'll block the uber car from moving or they'll like beat up uber drivers and do all kinds of crazy like yeah, they were... they're actively being pricks honestly to uber drivers yeah you have like you have taxi drivers getting into an uber and telling the uber driver hey i want you to take me to this you know random place out in the middle of nowhere when they get out into the middle of nowhere the taxi driver just beats up the uber driver like come on like if you're gonna if you're gonna beat up someone go go beat up travis because i mean it's his company like there there's no reason to get mad at the people that are just trying to make and like extra money and honestly like taxi drivers are so awful like they won't pick you up they'll they won't you know they won't take you into certain parts of town uber they'll 
They'll go, you know, yeah, we'll take you out, you know, to wherever you need to go. If it's in a rough neighborhood, they'll still drive you out there. Um, I think the only time that I've had an Uber driver, like, come by and not pick us up was we had too many people and, and we accidentally called the wrong type of Uber, which was, you know, that was our fault, not theirs. Just, just so you, like, you guys understand the whole thing with, uh, with taxis. I, I hate taxis, so I'm definitely biased. Um, in 2012, according to that article on Bloomberg, a Portland taxi driver only got paid like $6 and 20 cents an hour. So that's not even minimum wage. And like an Uber driver, they're what? About $16 an hour. Yeah. They're, mm-hmm. they're like, um, they're nearly triple. Holy but crap. that that doesn't include. I mean, the Uber yeah, driver. Yeah, that have doesn't have include insurance, insurance or gas. You know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, because using their own vehicle. So it's a different. Yeah, but I mean, mix. even I'll include in the show notes because I'm not 100 sure uh, where I, I saw the article at. But medallions, which is what you need to own taxis here in America or to run taxis, they can cost anywhere from a hundred thousand dollars to a million dollars to run one taxi. Yeah, I think New York it's between eight eight hundred and fifty and a million. Like it's yeah, and I think you you pretty much have to like, and it's out of pocket too. So it's, yeah, well, it's by a loan. So you go to whatever taxi company, they give you a loan for eight hundred fifty thousand dollars, and then they basically say work it off until your taxi's paid off. It's it's seriously slave labor. Yeah, <laughs> essentially, that's ridiculous. Or indentured servitude, whatever you want to call it. It's just putting someone in so much debt that they have no hope of ever leaving. But so, so I'm just going to derail this just a little bit, just to, I mean, college students are essentially the same thing when, you know, but I I don't want to get into that, but I'm just to, you know. Yeah, but college student debt debt is, you know, $20,000 to $80,000, you know, somewhere in that range usually, not 850. And that's also something you're, you're going to school so that you can do you're learning a task and you're not given a car and like, Hey, drive this. Good luck. Like, I don't Some know. Days, to me, it's completely different. Yeah. I, I, I guess, but I don't know if, if someone told me, Hey, will you pay me a half million dollars so I can give you a $6 an hour job? Like that's like, that's like the biggest <laughs> shaft in the world. Like <laughs> I'd say yes. So fast. I can't think of any option more appealing. <laughs> I mean, very similar to college, you, you know, they're like, Hey, get an art degree and you'll do well. Anyway, I don't want to, like, I don't want to derail this like that much, but I just wanted to like throw that in there because it seemed like a good idea at the time. And now it seems like an awful idea. So Uber boat is now arriving in Istanbul, um, where you can, it's like Uber, but for a boat, which I think is pretty cool. I would like to just get on a boat and pay like Uber and be able to like, see where, where the boat's at and when they'll pick me up and you know, go out on a date, have them take me across some sea. Just seems like a good time. I don't. This this just came out right before we started recording, so I don't know if either of you have have much of a takeaway on that or not. I just I think Uber should get its hands more into the travel industry, transportation industry. Sorry, as a whole. Like if I'm in the middle of Virginia, I should be able to, like pull up my phone and get a horse and buggy to come pick me up. <laughs> That's just what needs to happen. Or, or like a private plane, like yeah. that would be exuberantly oh, expensive. Man. But I could see it, and that would require a lot more than just calling up a driver <laughs> but, on your app. Yeah, but you, you know what? It, Wait five minutes for that kind of thing. Helicopter. <laughs> then. 
Helicopter, Uber, yes. Oh, actually, I think Uber say. does have helicopters, though. Are you serious? I'm that pretty sure I've, I've read about that, that they do have helicopters. Um, I will check into that if, if either of you have anything else that you want to to speak about. Um, about Uber. I just think, just on the boat thing, um, not really much of a, like worthwhile opinion just uh i, I don't know just Every the whole idea of worthwhile boats opinion. no not mine um <laughs> you don't understand um no but just the the whole idea of like calling a boat i i don't know my friend used to have a boat when i was younger and being on boats all the time not all the time but like every i don't know every few weekends or whatever we would go out on the boat and even just driving around and cruising around on a boat it's just like relaxing it's nice i love it but i I don't know if I could ever justify buying a boat later in life. I guess it depends on where I'm living. But so the idea of like you can, I don't know, just go in somewhere and just, hey, I want to go on a boat. And then it's the same thing with like Uber. You just pull it up and you're like, hey, we should go over here because why not? Like that. I don't know. To me, that's that's really appealing. I feel like that's really cool. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's only in certain places right now, but. Yeah, and if, I mean, a general rule or like the three Fs, if it flies and floats, then it's not not going to be a very good investment so i guess what's the third f we're not going to get into that but so uber <laughs> uber uber offers uh helicopter rides to bonnaroo for fifteen hundred dollars um it's called uber copter um chopper or copter chopper not copter thank you yeah it's uber chopper okay. so yeah so they they had that so i mean if if they started to like have plane rides and stuff you don't have to it would probably be cheaper than a uh, actually probably wouldn't be any cheaper than first class, but you can dream, I guess. The fact that it's available, I think, is pretty pretty crazy, pretty cool. But yeah, if, helicopter service for Uber—that's just awesome. Yeah, I I don't know if it's like a normal thing or if it's just like every once in a while they'll have it, but um, I know like before I've I've read about it in in some books where they've been talking about Silicon Valley people and and that, and I guess. Speaking about Silicon Valley people and more Uber stuff, and I promise this is the last bit about Uber. Uh, so Uber's first employee, Ryan Graves, uh, he's a billionaire for sending out a, a tweet to uh, Travis Kalanick. Um, pretty much Travis was just, uh, he sent out a tweet looking for four entrepreneurial product manager, biz dev Killer for a location-based service, pre-launch, big equity, big peeps involved, any tips, double question mark. And Ryan re- responded with, here's a tip, email me, smiley face, and then gave his email. So i um, trying to see what he's worth. Uh, it looks like Graves is worth $1.4 billion now. So... And he started out as just uh, he was a database administrator at, at General Electric before that. So check your Twitter if you want to become the next billionaire, I guess. Free money over Twitter. That's what I'm getting out of this. <laughs> Pretty much. Twitter, question mark, profit. <laughs> That's pretty cool, though. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought that was just kind of interesting. I, I don't yeah. think it's necessarily like something something too big, but thought I would throw that in there since we were already talking about a lot of Uber stuff. Yeah, no, that's cool. Okay, cool. So yeah, this is a crazy. I'm sorry, I'm reading this story for the first time. This is crazy. Which one? 
This the, story about Ryan Graves. Oh, I was thinking the Uber chopper. Holy crap! I'm I'm still kind of stuck on that a little bit. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. That's that's mind blowing. That's cool. So, I mean, I guess something that they should check out in our show notes. Then, yeah, that highly recommended. Okay, I I'll make sure to highlight that then. Uh, all right. So we we all all good on Uber topics. For yeah, the time? I think we we're all Ubered out for this week. Yeah, I think so. Maybe next week. I <laughs> we'll have to see what happens. All right, so let's start the in other news. So we're just going to go through a few or a handful of uh, things that happened this week as well that not necessarily spent a t- ton of time on it, but uh, just things that we thought were interesting we wanted to hit on. And I'm going to start this off with. OnePlus, OnePlus is launching the two, so the OnePlus two, um, and they have a virtual reality event on July twenty seventh. I'm not entirely sure what that's going to look like, but um, I mean the phone itself um, is going to be looks like it's going to be pretty pretty awesome. It's got um, sixteen and sixty four gig versions. I don't really understand why they don't just do thirty two and sixty four personally, but and it's going to cost from either two ninety nine or three forty nine, depending on the size. Um, so it's, I mean, it's going to be another high end device at a low cost. Have they announced yes. anything else? Have they announced uh, like RAM or processor or uh, screen size or anything like that? Um, I'm not. Yeah, I think it's actually, going but, to have a Snapdragon eight ten. Oh, that's right. Have they and it's oh sorry go on. No, I was saying they're also gonna have the the Oxygen OS, which is their own um, lollipop based OS on the phone. Which I remember seeing something. I remember seeing like a a video of it on the the OnePlus One, and it honestly looked. I mean, it was just stock Android with I think one or two features that I was like, oh, that's kind of neat, but. It didn't really seem like something worth creating a whole operating, a new operating system over, in my opinion. I think they did do something because they had that huge falling out with Saigen. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I guess it's interesting, nonetheless. But um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious myself to see where Oxygen OS goes. I know that's a little bit off. I don't know. It's I I don't know. It's, it'll be another Android fork. It'll be not a fork. It'll just be a skin off Android. Um, mm-hmm. More or less, but yeah. who knows? Um, it'll be interesting. I mean, they, they oh. haven't really had much time. It's only been out on the OPO for like two or three months now. Mm-hmm. Another important thing I just I forgot to mention: it's going to have a USB C port, which I think to me that's exciting because I'm I'm yeah, just excited. The more things to see that, that that transfer over to USB C, the better. Right, exactly. I'm just excited to see that move to to more devices and that become like the the standard i guess um what else uh sata nadella who is the ceo of microsoft released another letter this week an internal memo to his employees kind of just stating what his plans for microsoft are going into the next next fiscal year um and basically the he said that they're really focusing on uh, mobile first, cloud first, like he's been saying for a while. 
and that there's going to be some tough choices ahead. Um, layoffs? He didn't specifically say layoffs. He didn't say specifically what programs were being cut or if anything was going to be put on the back burner. He just said that in the next year we should expect some changes to the company in this direction. Um, personally, I think that means they're going to axe Windows Phone or Windows Mobile, I think they're calling it now. I mean, it has like 2% market share, and I don't. I honestly don't see it doing anything. At least if I was CEO, I'd, I mean, I'd cut it off like it was an arm with a flesh-eating bacteria. <laughs> that, that is well, Windows in a nutshell. It's, it's, it, I mean, it's just a parasite. It doesn't do anything. It's a, <laughs> like it's just soaking up time and resources. Like it's not earning them any money. It hasn't caught on with consumers. Um, but I mean, and if you look at what they've done in the last few months, they've bought Sunrise Calendar. They just bought Wonderlist. And they bought a, oh man, they bought something else big, a Teve, which is now a Microsoft Outlook Mobile or whatever it's called. Um, so three big like mobile focused productivity apps. Um, and the and, and what's funny is none of those apps are available on Windows Phone, their own platform. Yeah, I think also if, like because right now with Hololens, like just to jump into that, like I think they're they're close to being like on the forefront of that. So I I, th- I definitely agree. I think they need to move and start doing other things. Yeah, I think I think Nadella's like I think he's the CEO to like say that okay, we lost the smartphone war. Let's move past it cuz there's no point of wasting our money and wasting our time into this sector. I mean, that's just my opinion. I don't who knows. 6 months from now, he they could be doubling down on my Windows phone. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. What else? Um, some leaks happen on Apple's front. They point to a uh, 4K 21.5-inch iMac, which is the smaller of the two iMacs currently available. So that'll match roughly in PPI to their MacBook Pros and their higher-end 27-inch iMac. And then there is also... A text file leaked this week that pointed to a Bluetooth remote, um, which people are thinking is a remote that will attach to, uh, hopefully, hopefully, I'm really crossing my fingers, a new um, Apple TV. And this remote is supposed to be able to have uh, voice integration. We don't know if that's going to be Siri or not. Um, it looks like it's definitely going to have multi-touch input, and it might potentially have force touch as well. So just all around, it's going to be a pretty, um, at least definitely an advancement over the current Apple remote, which is a dive. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping that the rumors are true. It looks very exciting. But there's been so many rumors about Apple and Apple TV that, I mean, they're they're just crushing my dreams. I just want one good solid box, and no one's ever made one. The closest thing... That's perfect for streaming is the Chromecast, and that's a $30 stick. Like, we can do better than that. Yeah, I mean, we. I think we as a population of people can do better than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it works, and, it works good, but, like, it's not meant for streaming or for streaming games. And, honestly, it's kind of slow sometimes. What's your guys, I mean, yeah. ideal streaming box device thing look like exactly i'm oh. just curious as what your your thoughts are on that 
do you, okay, so I have an entire, I'm not sure if we have time for this, if you guys want to talk we- about it. I have my entire, my dream setup for home theater entertainment. Okay, 30 seconds. 30 What's seconds. All right. Big ass, sorry, big ass television. It has no speakers. It has a power port, <laughs> five uh, HDMIs, two USB, and one optical. That's it. It's razor thin. You have to plug in everything. It doesn't even have a menu on the television. It's literally the definition of a dumb monitor. And then you plug in all your peripherals all in the back, and you have to plug in surround sound through the one optical cable. That's it. And for a box, it would basically be an Apple TV but I could get a la carte whatever channels I wanted and it would have a multi-touch remote that I could input text into, which no one seems to have done. It's like a slide-out keyboard in a remote. Not almost. a slide-out keyboard. I oh, want just this, a screen? Like, I honestly don't know how it would be because a screen, that wouldn't make sense because it's like, why don't I just use my smartphone? Mm-hmm. But something, if you've ever used the Apple TV remote, it's cra- It's terrible. It's just a little remote. It might mean it's really hard to hold because it's like a sliver, and the Apple TV's current UI is terrible. Yeah, I think having, like, for me, all I want is a streaming box that has enough power to actually use the apps that are created for it. Yeah. And to have a plethora of those apps. And preferably, I would like it to have, like, HBO Now and really just all of those those streaming services um and then like you were saying like a la carte i i want to the only channels that i really care about that i would pay for are and i don't even know because I, I haven't watched tv in such a long time so this may have changed but i like you know discovery channel hgtv diy uh history channel and that's mostly it other than like hbo mm-hmm. so as long as I would have those, and I guess some of the local channels are kind of nice, CBS and NBC, but most of the shows that they put out now aren't that great. But yeah, just a la carte stuff. I'm going to um, say something. You know what I want? I want a program or an application that is basically Pandora for television because I miss the days where I could just turn on the television and be forced to watch something because with so many choices and with apps taking so long to load now, like when I turn my television on, it's going to be five minutes before anything's actually turned on. Like... I want to be able to turn on my television and some random television show is just plain. They have like antennas and you can actually do that. Like that's yeah, still- they- yeah but I want to pay for it and not get advertisements. Oh, well, I was going to say, I mean, you can, they have, well, so you can pay for it and you cannot get advertisements. You can, well, never mind. I was going to, yeah, whatever. Zach, do you, do you have an ideal streaming box? I, I haven't. I guess I haven't really thought into this too much. Like I, I, uh, I stream Netflix, and other, other than that, I don't really stream a whole lot. I mean, I use my Chromecast when I want to throw a YouTube video up my TV real quick. But oh, I have a Blu-ray true. player that I'll just watch like my movies and everything from, like from my hard drive or from like actual Blu-rays, and then it's connected to the internet. So if I want to watch Netflix, I stream it from that as well because I just figure all movies, video source, whatever, just from one box. Have you tried HBO? No. Like HBO Now? Oh, well, I'll give them a sure. real quick plug. Yeah, HBO Now, once, like, because it should be start to be available for everything um, in July. It is awesome. I was just looking through it. They have so many different, um, like, documentaries, movies. Their TV, like, their programming is phenomenal. I was just watching, I think it's Ballers. It's a new, new 30-minute show uh, with 
Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and it's just basically about um, uh, sport agents like mm-hmm. taking advantage of like football players and things like that. Looks like it's going to be awesome. So that's my quick plug for that. What is but, the cost for that? Um, I think it's fifteen dollars a month. It's for for what you get. It's really not that bad because it's kind of like Netflix only more mature with a lot more programming. So like, and I think they, they have a free trial so you can try it out to like see how much stuff is there. But I definitely think it's well worth it. I mean, you get Game of Thrones and a bunch of other stuff, but it's oh. pretty, pretty nifty. When you say more mature, you mean more like... Just like how adult. Netflix... No, no, not, not like more stupid. adult. Yeah, like... <laughs> <laughs> um, so like how Netflix is coming out with the original program and it's more... it's. They they've been doing their own original programming for probably since before Netflix was a thing. HBO. So that that's yeah, or no no HBO has been doing original programming since before Netflix is, was a thing. Like yeah, Sopranos and oh, so yeah, um, it's pretty neat. I I like it. I've been trying to get Aaron to subscribe to it, and he keeps saying no. But I between, I would recommend between Netflix. And other sources, I am pretty sad. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I kind of feel the same way, but I, I would still like to maybe try it. Let's move on. Stuff. We've been talking about uh, this stuff for too long. Oh yeah, no, that's um, fine. That was my fault. Cody, yeah, what else? So, do you have anything? Yes, I do. Thank you for asking, Aaron. God. <laughs> and everyone else, you can plug your ears if you don't want to listen to my rant. I'll be right back. All right. <laughs> so. Condoms that change color in contact with STD win a tech award. So this idea involves color change and protection, um, and it's still in its early stages, but it was conceptualized by three British teens. Two of them were 14-year-olds, and one of them was 13 years old. Um, They proposed an idea to have a new type of condom that would detect sexually transmitted diseases um, amongst your intimate partners. Uh, The Washington Post goes on further to explain that there would be antibodies on the condom that would interact with antigens of STDs, causing the condom to change colors depending on the disease. For instance, if the condom were exposed to chlamydia, it might glow green, or yellow for herpes, purple for human papillomavirus, and blue for syphilis. So this kind of is at the very edge of news stories that we would talk about. But I just think that that is so cool. And then when you stop and think about it, it's so stupid because you may as well just have an at home STD kit where you can do exactly what this would do. Like, Hey, do I maybe have an STD and you can do that. This is just kind of like you're going to, you know, fool around with your partner and then it's going to change color and you're going to be like, you've been lying to me. So I feel like it sounds like a good idea. But I feel like in practice, it is not. In my opinion, go ahead, Aaron. In my opinion, this isn't something that needs to change color. Like your, you know, your condom needs to be like your regular natural color. And if you are intimate with someone and it changes, you know, red or green, whatever color. If it's not the natural color, you're like, okay, I'm out. Like, boom, lemon law, I'm out of here. Speak. (laughs) I speak. (laughs) All right, go go on, Zach. Um. And I'll, okay, serious thought first is I think the idea of it's really 
it's interesting. Okay, it's it is it is honestly really interesting. But um, only real world use I can see is someone you are going to go to a bar. You're gonna get you're gonna drink. You don't know what's gonna happen, and that's something where you'd need it. Whereas like if you are in a committed relationship, this doesn't seem as um, important. Also, when when Aaron started saying that he doesn't want something that's gonna change colors, my first um, alternate thought was it should have some sort of audible alarm instead. <laughs> So that you instantly, instantly know without a shadow of a doubt that this is a terrible, terrible mistake. It's a trap. <laughs> no, it's, these these things need to be smart enabled. These things need so like your if it turns color, ringing. your phone needs to have like that amber alert go off and be like, yeah. "Yo, you're about to make the biggest mistake of your life. You need to bounce out." <laughs> That's what needs to so, happen. So, so so Apple needs to get in the condom industry. Yeah, definitely. It could be, it could be, it could be Apple too. So it could be like, like a, like an oh, aluminum geez. condom, like a brushed aluminum <laughs> condom. <laughs> Have Sounds... Johnny I've get out and save. This is the thinnest condom we've ever made. Oh, okay, it took this us twelve is... hours to make each condom. <laughs> All right, I apologize. Our our content rating for this episode is going to have to be not clean, probably. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, are any other thoughts or? Should, shall we move on to the next bit no, of news? Move on. Move on. All right. So if you are installing Java, Yahoo is now hooking into Java to um, essentially make them the, or make Yahoo the default search engine. So if you're going to install Java, um, there will be a checkbox that is automatically checked that says set Yahoo as your homepage and default search engine on Chrome and Internet Explorer. Plus get Yahoo as your new tab page for Chrome. So essentially you want to uncheck that. And I think this is a pretty poor move on Yahoo's part. It's just, it's not very good. Um, if, if I was Marissa Myers, I wouldn't be putting the store of stuff on there. It's stuff that users generally don't um, enjoy dealing with or, you know, people with grandparents or parents that install stuff generally don't enjoy that. But that's just uh just my two cents. Um, well, I mean, this is going to... So whenever... You, do you guys remember the Ask toolbar from like 10 years ago? Yeah, anytime you can install you, like 10 times. Yeah, anytime you ever tried to install a piece of software, it always asked, do you want to install the Ask toolbar? And you always said no, unless you were like my grandparents or my parents or, you know, 90% of the other population who just cl- just kept clicking next until they were done. Like... The Ask toolbar kind of came synonymous with spam. So if I was in Yahoo, like if I was a part of Yahoo, I would not want my company associated with spam, which is inevitably what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, because like people that install stuff and they see something just miraculously show up, they're not going to be like, "Oh, hey, this is super useful." They're going to think, "Why did this get here, and how do I get rid of it?" And yeah, having that name attached to something like that, like that seems really not smart on Yahoo's part. No, not at all. Um, so, I don't know. What do you have, Aaron? Yeah, I'm mean, moving on from Yahoo. Another company that is just making terrible decisions. Um, Verizon. So, New York City basically slammed Verizon today and said that their uh, their internet build out in New York City has been terrible. It's been awful, and they are not keeping up their end of the bargain. So, a few years back, Verizon made a deal with New York City saying that they were going to provide fiber optic internet to all five bureaus in New York City as long as New York agreed to let them have basically a like a 
government-sanctioned monopoly in the in the region. Um, and they had to have meet that goal of getting fiber optics to any resident who wants it by 2015. And they haven't made that goal. That's that's the short end of that's the short version of the story. So, I mean, sounds like classic telecom. Yeah. Well, Verizon Verizon says they you know they've technically quote quote made the uh, made the their end of the bargain by making internet available in all five boroughs, but it's not in available in every part of all five boroughs. And Verizon's made it so if you're an apartment building owner. The only way your residents in your apartment building can get FiOS internet, which is the, what they're calling their fiber optic internet, is by signing an exclusivity contract. Meaning if one person in that building wants fiber optic internet, everyone in that building has to have fiber optic internet or no one gets it. It's completely it's completely asinine. I mean, everyone should want fiber optic internet, though. Yeah, everyone should Just want to play it, but devil's advocate. if you look at Verizon's prices for this stuff, it's, it's not cheap. It's like $199. I mean, depending on your package, some are lower, some are more expensive, but like they're super expensive. It's not like Google Fiber, which is like $80 for a gigabit internet connection. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're more affordable ones, though. Are I think like you can get 50 or either 50 down and up or 25 down and up for, for fairly reasonable. But and still, I, I think 50 down, and, that's that's as much as you know my copper connection has given me. Yeah, but but you, you get higher upstream bandwidth, which isn't good. Like most people don't care, but like for, for you and I, like us doing this podcast, that would be like, that would be awesome mm-hmm. or, or YouTubers and stuff. So, I mean, it, yeah, it's not ideal, but um, yeah. Man, I just... Verizon is in the same boat as Taylor Swift right now. Like, I kind of like them because what they provide is really great, but they're both terrible people. Do do you have do you have an opinion on Facebook? Um, are you talking about the diversity thing with Facebook? We're talking about my opinions of Facebook in general because those are just two different things. No, no, I was just more more you know. Facebook, how they're failing to improve diversity, and and that um, would 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 you would you like me to get in get into that? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so Facebook, they have failed to improve their diversity despite hiring a bunch of people. So essentially, um, Facebook, they are it's predominantly a white and Asian like workers. So for the entire company, their U.S. ethnicity, you have 55% white, 36% Asian, 4% Hispanic, um, 3% are two or more races, 2% are black, and 0% are other. So I don't know why they included other. Um, so that's for like company-wide. Then you get down to the tech level. So these would be like programmers and anything tech-related. It's 51% white, 43% Asian, and then again, it just all falls falls off there. Non-tech, you have 62% white, 24% Asian, 7% Hispanic, and then it all just falls off. And then senior leadership, you're at 73% white, 21% Asian, and then it just kind of all falls off from there. And then, so this is kind of the more interesting, is um, their gender split. So uh, for the entire company, it's 68% men, 32% women, which isn't really that great, but it's a lot better when you start looking at what their tech is, which is 84% men and 16% women. Non-tech is the only place where the women out 
do the men where it's 52% women and 48% men. And then for senior leadership, you have 77% are men and 23% are women. So really, I mean, I guess, so what's the big deal about this is you essentially have a company that is trying to make everyone more social and they're trying to be that social network for everyone. And yet the people who are in charge of creating this are predominantly men. So you're going to see a lot more just like things that men like as opposed to women like. So to me, I, I, I think they need to start hiring more women. And I mean, there, there are, there's the argument where there aren't that many women going into tech roles and things like that. Like they're not studying that, but nonetheless, I think, yeah, I think it's, I think it's not great. Like, I Facebook. think they need to put a, a bigger effort into, into becoming more, uh, both racially and, uh, generally diverse, but, you know, specifically talking about the, um, you know, the sex of their employees. Yeah. I think in order for them to fix that, that's something that our country has to look deeper into. Like our, our, oh, yeah. our society has to change. Cause I mean, as someone who is in a computer science graduate program, um, and you know, you Cody being someone who's gone through, um, you know, who's gone through college for computer science in my computer science program, I I've met one woman that, that wasn't a professor. Um, so yeah. it's really it's really hard. So on, on one end, I I, I want to kind of slap Facebook around and say, "What are you doing? You know, hire people that aren't white males." But on, at another portion of me is just like, it must be hard when you know ninety percent of your applicants are going to be males. Yeah, and that's I mean that's pretty much the split that I have I have seen in all the places that I've worked. I mean the current company that I'm at, um, I think we have two or three girls that are our developers out of I think we have like 18 to 25-ish developers so I mean that that split seems pretty much how it is and that's I mean like you said in school there aren't that many um, females that are pursuing these sorts of engineering and, and technical degrees you see a lot more like going after nursing degrees and and things like that and I think just in general uh, it would be nice to see this country trying trying to get everyone to be more diverse like it, it would be nice to see more i guess like male nurses and like you know just try and like go for more of a split and i don't i guess the tech industry doesn't necessarily need to be demonized so much because it's it's just, it's like this in a lot of different um industries but facebook is you know they're just kind of the ones that are making the news today yeah that's, so it just it's another it's another company i mean the, the tech sector is one of the the industries that are really trying to fix that diversity problem. Um, but it's just every time one of these reports come out, it's just, it's kind of hard to blame the comp like a specific company when the country itself has a problem. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I just think, um, that it's, it's probably kind of what you guys are saying. It's just, it's hard to, to make a diverse when the applicants aren't, diverse necessarily like you don't have as many um women applying for those those types of jobs um and it seems like the the majority of of people applying for that just going to the tech industry in general are are white males i feel like you kind of have to well you said white and asian were the highest ones i don't know um yeah that was predominantly white and asian yeah but so just just uh 
I don't know. I mean, I feel like they kind of take what what they can get, and if um, not that it's like scarce, but you know, like they they have to pick from people who apply, and if people aren't applying like from di- like different um, ethnicities or genders or whatever, then there's not. I mean, how much can they really do? Right. Right. Get your crap together, America. That's all we have to say about that. <laughs> Basically, well, we are going after that that explicit content rating in iTunes today. No, that's not all explicit. Right. We were just we were just giving our opinion on a topic. We weren't we weren't being too explicit. What's your opinion on BlackBerry? Hmm. Um. Love their hardware. Want to see the company die. Um. So which you know which kind of rolls into they announced their uh, you know they released their quarterly earnings and revenues and profits and all that good stuff to shareholders just recently and they lost five cents per share versus a projected three cents per share so they lost uh you know 66 percent more value than what was initially thought um i mean i don't know it's it's a it's a tried and in true story at this point, like I, I don't think anyone's actually surprised that they're really. losing money. I mean, black. Well, you have you have Apple and you have Android in terms of like mobile operating systems, and those are obviously the most used. You have Windows and BlackBerry, and while BlackBerry used to be huge, I think, I guess I don't know. I don't have statistics in front of me, but it seems like Windows is more popular than blackberry that could be my own mind just assuming things yeah i don't I blackberries don't know. i don't know they've been struggling for a while and i don't i honestly don't really know where they're gonna be able to go from here they they aren't gonna go anywhere <laughs> like yeah I, I i honestly have no idea how but they're gonna they're gonna last another five years scraping by and eventually they're just gonna have to sell themselves off like that's just what's gonna have to happen are they really scraping by though? I mean, they're making less money, but they're still making a lot more money than a lot of companies. Yeah, but but it's a publicly owned company. It's not private. Yeah. It's not private. You can't just get by with profits. Like you have to see growth. You can't see consistent loss. And mm-hmm. I mean, if if I was a BlackBerry shareholder and my and my shares went down in value ninety percent over the last ten years, like I'd be a little PO'd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I would agree. I don't know. That's that's BlackBerry. We should we should talk about something else, something other than BlackBerry's financial woes. Go from like yes. the the company that makes the least amount of money to the company that has a lot of money. Yes, perhaps. Yeah, okay. such as mm, Apple. Yeah. So, all right. So we have this whole Confederate flag thing. And it's funny to me because today on Facebook, I got caught up in a, a conversation about it, and I didn't even have a strong opinion, but I ended up hearing both sides. And I I just find the whole, the whole thing interesting. But so anyways, in regards to Apple specifically on this, they have banned games and apps featuring the the Confederate flag. And I guess some of them have been restored since this was announced, but still the simple fact that they've gone as far as to just start banning apps that have the confederate flag in there i feel like is way 
just way unnecessary. Like it wasn't. I don't know. It's in my opinion, it's just a dumb, a dumb move. Like yeah, it's in the news. It's this big thing, but like, I don't think. Go, I don't know. Banning games and apps. Just I don't know. I I think it's ridiculous. Yeah, especially with them being like, a lot of them were historic games. Mm-hmm. But well, yeah, like I, Civil War. Um, yeah, it's one of them. That's it's like, come on, like that's exactly <laughs> where it came from. Like to me, yeah. that makes sense. You have a game about Civil War. Yeah, you're going to have the flags, um, like that were used at that time in the game. It just makes sense. So to ban them is just like, what? Yeah, and it looks like they've been restoring the the ones that are actually valid and should be there. Um, okay, let's let's get like from each of us one second, one sentence about the whole Confederate flag thing, and let's move on. We can talk about this for hours. Let's just, Cody, what do you think about the whole Confederate flag thing? I think if you want to fly the Confederate flag and treat it as you know, I I want to honor the people who fought in the Civil War. It should be a different Confederate flag and not the one that was. Um, Used primarily for for racism in the mid nineteen hundred mid twentieth century. So that would be my take on it. What is your take on it, Zach? I have two sides of the. I guess I'd see. I'm just going to talk. So on one hand, I can see why people don't want it. I I don't think it's it's necessary. There to me, it's if you're representing the people who fought, it's like why i don't know i just don't see it as relevant information like relevant today necessarily and it's and um i mean if there's so much controversy on it and seeing as there's room for interpretation like if it's flown by my neighbor i would and i talked to them and i knew that they were just flying it because you know they they thought that or they're flying it for the soldiers fall whatever that's one thing but if you see someone i don't know then there's also like the KKK, like that's to the same flag interpreted in two completely different ways. So seeing as there's room for interpretation, I feel like it's just, it's not, I don't, I just don't understand why it's necessary. But on the other hand, I also, on the whole freedom of speech thing, um, you know, like one thing gets taken away, then, you know, what comes next? Like if we, uh, if we're like, yeah, you know what, we agree, this should be taken away, then it's like, okay, this goes and then what? So, uh, yep, that's. Well, I guess that's where I'm at. I kind of see both sides of this. Yeah. Aaron, you get half a sentence. Half a sentence. If you fly the stars and bars, you're a racist and I hate you. Done. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Tumblr. Tumblr okay. announced something. Cody, what did Tumblr announce? <laughs> Tumblr announced quite possibly one of the coolest things that I have ever not known that I need, and it is called Tumblr TV, which is essentially a gift service where... Um, you can, you, you click on Tumblr TV, you go to it's tumblr.com uh, forward slash TV and you get a full screen and then it just keeps going from there. Like watching a bird run away from an explosion. It's a atom bomb drop and there's some guy dancing in a now go to the next one. There's a guy kissing at, at the camera. Next one. I don't know what that is. There's Mega Man now. It's pretty freaking sweet. And if you have not checked it out or if you're not a Tumblr fan, I'm not a Tumblr fan, but I would say you should check it out. Um, Aaron, let's, uh, let's, let's listen to some Samsung. All right. This week, 
Microsoft got mad at Samsung because Samsung disabled auto-updating for Windows PCs. So if you have a computer that has a Windows 8.1 on it, Samsung updated your PC, and there's an EXE called Disable Windows Update, and it does exactly what it sounds like. It disables you from automatically getting Windows updates. So if you ever want to get any Microsoft update ever, you have to go and manually do it. Um, Zach, do you care at all about the FCC proposing a uh, the dish loophole, or should we just throw that in the show notes? I'm thinking show notes, to be honest. Okay. I don't have a whole lot on that one. Okay. Um, so... Next one is Bill Gates. He has announced that he's going to double an investment in clean energy projects over five years. So he has before invested $1 billion of his $80 billion, and he is now going to, in the next five years, invest $2 billion of his $80 billion. So um, essentially, Bill Gates is really rich, and he's throwing money at things other than malaria, which is pretty cool. Um, so we will include that in the show notes as well. Uh, Aaron, I'm sure you would like to talk about the Model S. Yeah. Um, so Tesla, the company that makes the Model S, which is an electric car, they just announced that combining all of the Model S's together, the Model S has driven over 1 billion miles, which is super cool. It means that enough people are driving these things, enough people own these things that they're you know, they're taking a a small but uh, important chunk of the automotive transportation industry. Um, for me, I find that kind of strange that they know this information because that kind of means like, oh, they know how many miles are on my car, which means they probably know where I've been every single time I've ever driven my Tesla. Mm. Um, but it's cool nonetheless that they've reached that milestone. Yeah, um, and I guess speaking more about cars you have google that they've started to do road tests for their new self-driving car if you haven't seen it essentially it looks like a golf cart it is one of the cutest cars in the world Mm. um okay aaron we don't in my opinion and my opinion only i think it is one of the cutest cars in the world because it's so tiny that it just looks like it would explode um and and yeah it, it looks cool and they're starting to test it now so um, Aaron, you want to close this out with our, our last bit of, of Google news? So Google um, has an arm of their company called Google S- X, sorry, which is the same company that uh, is working on the Project Aria thing and the same company that's working on – or the same part of the company that's working on the uh, – oh, man, what's the tablet that can, um, you know, f- basically see and map out. 3d environments it's the same company that or the same part of the company that's coming up with uh the self-driving car stuff they announced not announced it leaked they're trying to work with different um health agencies to come up with a wrist wearable that keeps track of a bunch of your vitals um and it's not aimed at consumers it's aimed at professionals so if you would go into like a doctor's office sometime in the future and you're maybe you're having some heart problems or your blood pressure is high, or maybe you're getting exposed to too much sunlight or something, you're having issues with uh, radiation, this thing is supposed to be able to track all of it, and your doctor will be able to prescribe it to you. So it's not something that you'd go out and buy like as a heart rate monitor. It'd actually be used as a uh, type of medical diagnosis device. But that's all right, cool. That's cool. 
I think um, this would be a good time to segue into wearables and what Aaron and I wasted a lot of money on. Yes. And I'm sure Zach has a very good opinion on our decision uh, and other things. So let's just so preface this. you guys first. Yeah, let's just preface this. Cody and I, we went to Chicago together last weekend, and we both impulsively bought an Apple Watch Sport, the 42-millimeter stainless, uh, I'm sorry, stainless. Uh, I wanted it to be stainless. The, the, brushed, stainless. the brushed aluminum one, the light-colored one, the silver one, not the black one. Um, they didn't have the black one, and I feel very happy that they didn't because I feel like the the aluminum is very nice as opposed to the black. But let's let's get into the whole meat. This I, I want this conversation just to just be about wearables in general. Cody, you and I are going to talk about Apple Watch. That's just going to happen. We're going to talk about our thoughts, our feelings on it. Zach, you own a Pebble. You own a Pebble Steel. You're going to own a Pebble Time. Mm-hmm. I want your input on this because we all I know sure. we all have different opinions on what wearables should do and mm-hmm. how much they should cost and what they should look like. So, yeah, we bought we bought Apple watches. They are four hundred and thirty five dollars after taxes. Um, if you're in Chicago, if you're in Chicago, less, yeah, if you are in a place with less tax. Um, but it was uh, so we've had it for uh, five six days now, and I have. Can I talk f- about the onboarding experience? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay, I just i i took up, I took some notes up and stuff, so I have like my little talking points. So I just, like starting out with the onboarding experience. So for all of you listeners who don't know me, um, I was one of the original people to get Google Glass. So um, and this is going to wrap back into the Apple Watch. But essentially, um, when you went to pick up Google Glass, you got to sit down with the Glass expert for forty five to like an hour. Um, and essentially they just, they walked you through everything that Google glass could do to really let you know what it could do and what it couldn't do. So <laughs> you, you had no real like questions or, or concerns completely different for the Apple watch. And I think Apple could have done a little bit of a better job with training just because essentially we got the Apple watch and the guy at the Apple store we bought him from, he was the coolest guy, really nice. Um, but he didn't really walk us through everything the Apple watch could do. And I think maybe they're busy or, or whatever, but essentially when I left the Apple store, I kind of felt like I didn't know how to do everything. I mean, he, he essentially asked us, Oh, what do you want to know how to do? And we were pretty much, we want to send our heartbeats to each other because that's what, you know, you're supposed to be able to do or like send taps. So he, he showed us how to do that. And that was pretty much it. So I feel like their onboarding experience could be a lot better. I could walk you through some more stuff. Um, but other than that, I will, I guess, pass it off to you, Aaron, with, with what you would like to talk about for the Apple Watch. And then I have some other stuff that I can talk about as well. All right. So I'm just going to – I have four main things I want to talk about the Apple Watch that I've gotten from my experience with it. Um, first and foremost, after knowing people and have experienced something like the Pebble that has like a week-long battery life – 12 hours is not enough. Like I wake up at 7 a.m. And by the time I, and sometimes I don't, I don't go to bed till midnight. I'm at like 10%, which is fine. Like, oh, it lasts you through a day. But what if I'm out with friends or something? Like it doesn't have enough battery life. I, I could see where people say you only need one day, but make it truly one day. Make it 24 hours. I want to be able to wake up at 7 and then go to bed at 3 and not have to worry about my watch dying. I'm at 56% right now. I, so I, I haven't experienced the same issue as you. I am at 39, but 
I haven't done like I haven't done I skipped my morning run and I haven't done my morning run yet tonight. So and that takes a lot. Like a forty minute run will take like twenty to twenty five percent off of the battery. Okay. I'm lazy and I don't run, so I guess once I start running I'll probably start running into that issue. Yeah, so that that's so the battery life, not that great. Um the second two have to do with have to do with apps. First, um there aren't that many and they're super slow. Like Apps just, they kind of load slow, everything kind of hangs for a while. There's You always get these six little spinning dots that say waiting for almost everything. Um, and there's just not that many of them yet. Mm-hmm. And then third is even the apps that you do have, they don't do enough because they're not native apps on the watch yet. Like all the information is crunched on the iPhone and is sent over to you via Bluetooth. Um, at least until WatchOS 2 comes out later in the fall. Like, so, like, I, I mentioned that I run, and I use this app called CycleMeter that has an Apple Watch companion app. And so I'm like, oh, sweet, I'm going to use this to run. So I leave my phone at home, and I just take my Apple Watch to run. I get outside my building, and I try to start a run. And as soon as I start try to start a run, it's like, oh, you should you need to get your iPhone and start a run on your iPhone. So it's like, what's the point of a fitness tracking app that has – or a fitness tracking device when you have to bring your phone with you? Like, why would I bring two devices on me when I can just bring my phone if it's going to do the same exact thing as my phone? I just don't understand why the phone is absolutely needed at this point. Um, I think it's because it is a companion app and they, they don't have the native support yet. But, like, what I just I don't see the value of buying a $450 device just so, like, I can see the same information that's on my iPhone as on my wrist and I have to have my iPhone with me. Um I know that's going to change when WatchOS 2 comes out, but it's just something like native apps that could do things on their own without the without the need of the iPhone should have been at launch. Um, secondly, or second, secondly for apps, I guess, is even though the apps can't do that much, they are, in my opinion, like way too complex. And this kind of this kind of goes from the app level all the way to the whole Watch OS, um, like. They're they're stupidly simple and they can't do that much. But it's for me, it's really hard to figure out what they can do, what they can't do, and uh, how to do things. So, like some apps, to get to a menu or to to change like a song or something. Some apps you force touch. Some apps you like. There's a little icon for the settings. Some apps like, you know, you can swipe. And there's just too many inputs for for apps to do different things. Um, and that kind of leads me into my fourth and, and biggest issue is watch os is way too complex um mm-hmm. it's, it tries to do way too many things like it took me three days to figure out that if you're on um your home screen which is technically the watch face and not the um the cloud of apps that if you're on there you can swipe up and get to this this thing they call glances I knew glances existed, but I had no idea how to get to them. And glances are just a bunch of like little miniature widgets, I guess you could call them, that can control things um, like music or your calendar is there, your heart, like a quick heart rate monitor is there, um, stuff like that. It I had had no idea for like three days I was there. And then, like I said, like I just mentioned, with your clock being your home screen, your clock's your home screen, but then you also have your list of or your cloud of apps that's also your home screen if you come from iphone you're used to your your list of apps being your home screen so like it kind of feels like there's two separate home screens for it and then um getting back and forth between apps is super complex so 
Sometimes you can you can double click the digital crown and it'll take you back to your watch face. Sometimes you single click it and it brings you back to your watch face. Sometimes you double click it and it brings you back to your recently used apps or your last used app. Sorry, it honestly feels like what the back button on Android felt like like three years ago. Like it's just a total grab bag and it's like literally you're like you're just like rolling a dice and seeing what screen you're going to land on. But I'm sorry, that was my rant. End rant. You guys can go. All right. Well. Let, I, I will walk through my Apple Watch experience, which I think has been a little bit more pleasant. So um, first thing today, I, I had Apple Pay set up finally. So for, for breakfast, I left my apartment, put my keys in my pocket, walked to my car. My So I'm lazy, so my, my car has the convenience package where I, I don't have to take my keys out. It just push to, ta- push to start and grab the handle and unlocks automatically. So got out of my car, did that, didn't have to take my keys out, drove to McDonald's, parked my car, got out, walked to the cash register, ordered my number four with a large drink, and without, you know, I didn't take out my wallet or anything, just double tapped um, on the, like, power button-ish thing on the Apple Watch, and that brought up my Apple Pay, put it up to the terminal, and I had paid and everything like that. So without ever having to like take anything out of my pocket from the time I left my apartment to the time that I got back home to unlock uh, my apartment, I was able to buy stuff and, and do all sorts of things. So to me, I think Apple Pay on the watch is awesome. It's definitely much more useful than um, like Apple Pay for the phones because you still have to take out your phone and stuff. So I'm hoping that like Android Wear gets um, the same sort of thing. Cause yeah, they announced really with, with Android Pay. Oh, they did? Okay. Yeah. I I missed that part. Um, so the next thing that I like are the complications. I think they're really nice. They're really useful to be able to just kind of look at my watch and I can one, see what the date is because some days I don't actually know what the date is and it's kind of hard to figure that out without digging a little bit into my phone. Um, and then I can also see what the weather is, which is nice. And then all these complications are customizable so you can select different ones. And right now they're just what Apple has, but when WatchOS 2 comes out, developers will be able to push out their own complications so i think complications are going to be one of the bigger selling features of it um just because they're really glanceable really easy to to see um next thing that i have been enjoying is the touch heartbeats stuff um so basically you can send touches which are just like taps which i guess i'll, I'll talk about that real quick so um some people say that that like when you get a tap on the apple watch it just feels like a vibration I feel like it feels a lot more like someone tapping your wrist, but like they're tapping your wrist with like some sort of vibrating finger thingy. I guess that could be, that's probably like not appropriate to talk about, but essentially like that's what I think of as a tap. Like you still feel that vibration, but it feels a lot more like a tap than a, than a vibration. Like, do you agree with that Aaron or do you think it feels more like, yeah, there's, so for me, I think you can definitely tell the difference between when the watch is just vibrating and when the watch is, engaging the taptic feedback engine um so like when someone sends you taps or when uh like you get notification it honestly feels like the watch is kind of pressing down on your wrist like a tap whereas like when i go running because i still do use the watch for running um and it lets me know it lets me know when i've like hit a certain distance or a certain pace um it'll it'll vibrate and it just feels like a vibrate maybe it's just because i'm like more in the zone when i'm running i'm not paying as much attention to the watch but it you know it feels like a standard like like zzz, like the whole device is just kind of shaking whereas a tap you know uh, uh, something something 
it's kind of direct. It feels like it's something directed towards your wrist. Um, yeah, and so like that's that's kind of something that I've been having having a little bit of fun with is just kind of screwing around with that um, and and like sending my heartbeat and stuff like that. It's it's kind of the one thing that I don't like is it really takes you out of whatever you're doing just because if you get like the tap or you get like a drawn on the watch you have to keep your arm in a really awkward position to keep the watch on. So I hope they maybe fix that in watch OS too. So I can just kind of passively have it up and not have to like hold my hand in a weird position. But overall, I think that's a pretty good start and pretty cool. I'm, I'm kind of optimistic about this stuff just because um, I've been doing application development for a little while now. So I kind of, I, I'm a little bit more forgiven, I guess at times. Um, And then, so the, the digital crown is the other thing that I would like to talk about, which seems really stupid until you start using it just because instead of having to scroll um, up or down, like with like touching the screen and stuff, I can use a digital crown. And since the screen is so small, um, my fingers don't get in the way. And so I can kind of interact with the watch a little bit easier that way. I do, however, feel like the digital crown needs to have a definite, like this is what this does um, because I, I'm still a bit confused as to how I get to certain apps and how I get out of apps and how, I get back to the watch and I figured it out I think if you need to get back to the time you have to do the time app which is by default in the middle of the screen but um, again it's just kind of one of those confusing things with the onboarding experience that they could have cleared up a little bit more um, and then the last thing that I want to touch on was battery life for me um, I've been using it for run I've been using it essentially just for notifications and every once in a while I'll open up an app or I set a timer today for for dinner so I could get my my food out of the oven before it burnt up. Uh, and I mean, like I said, um, just a couple minutes ago, the, the battery life is I'm like at out halfway. So I, I can probably with the way that I'm using it, I could probably get through, um, a day and a half with this fairly, fairly easily. Um, but I mean, I, like I also said, I'm also lazy, so I haven't been using it for running. So I guess you kind of have, two perspectives oh and one last thing to add in and then i will let let zach take over and call us a bunch of idiots <laughs> um <laughs> so right now actually this is perfect timing because i want to talk about this so uh, my watch is like just popped up time to stand so stand up for a minute and like walk around and this made me much more aware of the fact that i sit down way too much during the day and i'm still trying to figure out at work how i can stand up and like walk around without people getting confused like why is he walking around the office every hour. Um, but I think that's really cool because you're supposed to be standing most of the day and not sitting. So, um, yeah, I'm going to end my rant there for me. I really like the Apple watch. Uh, I'm happy that I purchased it. It has a lot of issues and I think Aaron touched on, on most of those, but I think it has a lot of benefits as well. And the future looks pretty bright. So Zach, um, how stupid are we? And, why you know should we have waited for the pebble time and stuff okay so i have a little bit to say about the apple watch but it's not much because i don't have one but in my short time of using it i do i do agree that it's a nice a very nice looking device it's a nice um i don't know it's it's a very high quality looking um smartwatch and so i understand the draw to it I, to some degree, understand why you guys caved and bought one. Um, the only thing I don't completely agree on is the, obviously, the price. Like, the price 
significantly higher than than uh well especially the pebble i know like other smartwatches there's quite the range but for me and um um and liking the pebble it's it's quite a bit more more expensive and also i do feel like in my limited use of that watch there were a lot of ways to do different things it did seem confusing which is weird for apple to me because it seems like most of their stuff is very simplistic to the point this is how you do this this is how you do that and you're going to enjoy yourself whereas the apple watch seems like the opposite there's like five ways to do everything and the three of those ways aren't going to be what you're looking for exactly but it's going to be a slight variation i don't know anyways that's all they have on the apple watch but on wearables in general i i currently have the pebble steel i'm waiting on the pebble time steel which should be next month if all goes well and mine ships out earlier um but in my my smartwatch experience, I I personally don't like like a Android Wear or the Apple Watch. Not well. I'm not gonna say I don't like it. I don't see it as necessary. I guess I like my Pebble Steel a lot because um, one, it looks like a watch. Like I worked at my last job for a year, and I think a month before that or so. Uh, me and a couple of the guys were talking about it and someone said, yeah, Zach's got a smartwatch and the other guy that had been there even longer than I had was like, wait, you have a smartwatch? Like, he had no idea in the the year that I'd been there for. He'd never noticed. He just thought it looked like a regular watch. Um, and at first glance, it's, that's what it looks like and I like that. I don't want it to necessarily look like I have this big glaring screen on my arm. Um, also, one of Aaron's complaints was battery life. That's never been an issue with that or with uh, Pebble. Um, my last job was a different, uh, different place I had to go to every day. So I had GPS, shooting directions, vibrating at every like every turn I had to make. And if I was using GPS every day to and from home, um, as well as notifications, using it to control music. Oh, what else? Uh, that's I guess those are my biggest things I'd use it for. I'm um, using it um, like often the least amount of time it would last was three days. And when it would last three days, I was like, wow, what the heck's going on? <laughs> um, using GPS and everything um, would be about five. And if I'm not using GPS and it's just notifications, I'm not necessarily using it for like music and stuff, then it's like seven-ish, about a week. So um, oh, That's so bad- just crazy. I- yeah. <laughs> so, so battery life isn't anything I've ever had to think twice about i go to stay the night at friends house something last minute it's like i don't have to think oh i forgot my charger it's like oh i could stay here for three days and go home and i'll be fine um and i mean i <clears throat> i don't have a ton of apps i'm looking through right now real quick i use i use the alarms every now and then um it just for from watch it just vibrates and like that's that's nice otherwise i pretty much use it for music and navigation because music is nice um you know you have your I would have my phone connected to a Bluetooth speaker. Um, Pebble's waterproof. So I'd have my Pebble in the shower, for example, and I have like a speaker outside with my phone. And I'd use my, my Pebble to see what songs I'm listening to and to pause, play, skip to the next song, whatever. Um, I And then navigation. Like, obviously, you're, you're driving and um, you don't know where you're going. You're, it'll send the information to my watch. It'll be on the screen. It'll tell me where the next turn is, how far away it is, and it'll vibrate. Um, two miles and then point two miles and I don't remember if I can change it or not but so those are things I use it for the most and then yeah just the fact that it's waterproof 
is just nice because then I feel like I don't have to think about it. Like it starts downpouring outside and I have to walk to my car. I'm not worried about like covering my watch or anything. Yeah, the Apple Watch is too. I took a shower with it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, yeah, the biggest thing I've done with this one is... Um, well, that one's waterproof. Like you can dunk yourself yeah. in a pool, right? I was going to say, yeah, I went into my pool and I went down... Um, the deepest part is eight feet, and I just like sat down there with the watch for like, I don't know, thirty seconds, however long. I felt like holding my breath before jumping back up, and it, it's, I mean, it's still in my arm, it's still working. Yeah, I don't so, know if this thing can survive a uh, drop in a pool. It but, probably could, but I don't think Apple recommends it, yeah. so don't do it. <laughs> yeah, that would scare me. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm anxiously waiting on the Pebble Time Steel. Um, hopefully, I mean, from everything I've seen, it looks like it's going to be what I'm wearing with a color screen and a longer battery. And, um, obviously it's going to look a little bit different and I'm sure there'll be some more features as well, but, um, I don't know. I'm excited for it. All right. Yeah, is that, I mean, are we done with, uh, are we done with wearable stuff? Or we want to talk some more about it. Well, I mean, I, I was just going to say, I like for me, I, I don't like e-ink screens and, mm-hmm. That's why I don't like the Pebble. But I think um, just looking through our picks of the week, it would be probably a good time to get into that. And actually, I think, Zach, if you wanted to, um, I guess, get all all ready to talk about that, because I think you would be the best segue for that. Just looking at yours, it looks very relevant to what we're talking about right now. And it actually looks pretty interesting. So, Yeah, so um, pick of the week is, oh, I did not think about trying to pronounce this. Deuce X Aria, and it is a smartwatch control device. Um, essentially, for Android Wear users, it would attach just under um, the watch head, if that's what you want to call it, like between the watch band and your wrist. And so, what it and um, I know for Pebble, they make one that's just a band. So, like, you at a glance, you wouldn't be able to tell that it's actually there. I'm waiting for one to come. I'd like to see a better looking one for the Pebble Steel, but we'll see if that happens because um, I definitely want to get in on this. Anyways, what it does is it reads your hand gestures. So, um, for example, you can like like snap your fingers, something like that, and you could set that to play or pause music. You could like open and close your fist twice and it will, I don't know, skip songs. I'm using music just because the first example popped in my head. Um, but I mean, you can connect whatever you can connect your watch to. You can set these different hand motions to trigger um, different actions, which to me is awesome. I mean, you're wearing a smartwatch, and not that it sounds stupid, but the fact they have to raise your wrist, your other hand, and like use your other hand to control it, and not that that's like a huge like burden on your life. It's still a smartwatch, and it makes your life easier. But if you could just like, I don't know. Um, um, Aaron's example like he runs every day he says he's listening to music he wants to skip songs or something he just snaps boom next song like he doesn't have to look at the screen like screw around with it it's just a real quick hand gesture of some sort and it'll uh, it'll do whatever you you schedule it to do and I, I thought that looked really interesting and definitely something I'm interested in getting and it's on Kickstarter it's there's 23 days left and it's already Eleven, almost twelve thousand dollars over their goal, so it's definitely going to be in production. Um, yeah, I guess my only my only concern is I'm curious as to I don't know, say I'm 
I don't know, I move my arm around or something. Is it going to, my, my, I guess to simplify it, it's just, um, false gestures. That's my only fear is how easily is it going to pick up information and how often is it going to accidentally set off various, um, commands other apart from that it seems it seems awesome and definitely something i want to want to take a look at getting yeah for that i wonder like if if you'll need to have the watch face on to avoid like the the false gestures or i mean it or or maybe not i i was just kind of watching the video a little bit while you were talking and it looked like the watch face was usually on when they were doing it but i didn't watch it all the way through but the but i i, mean, I don't know i don't don't look like they really s- spelled out how it worked like that right. deeply i guess and with, I mean, for me specifically, the pebble, the screen's never off. So, oh, that's true. Yeah, that's not really an indicator. <laughs> that is true. I forgot about those e-ink screens. Do you know how much this thing uh, costs to back to actually get a device? Um, yes, I do. Uh, give me two seconds here. Yeah, so the Pebble Time One is fifty-nine, and that's actually all gone. On uh, the Kickstarter page, so that blows. Um, so now you sixty nine, yeah, a sixty nine instead, and then for Android it's ninety nine, um, or one twenty nine if the ninety nine sells out. Alrighty. So, so yeah, looks pretty cool. Yeah, that's something uh, I think I'll keep an eye on. It's an expensive edition, but definitely one that, um, I think would add more functionality. Well. If not more functionality, but easier. Yeah, make your smartwatch a more convenient device. Right. Yeah. There you go. Aaron, what was your pick of the week? So, I think I came up with downright the coolest thing for the pick of the week this week. <laughs> um, so, my pick is a hardware-software combination by a company called Automatic. And it's a, it's a device you use with your car. So, in case... Our listeners didn't know. If you've had a car that's been built in the last two decades, your car comes with something called an OBV, OBD2 sensor, which is basically this little it's this little jack underneath your dashboard that repair comp- or repairmen use to diagnose engine problems and stuff like that. And it also keeps track of um, like s- speed and like oil pressure and oil temperature, all that stuff. Well, there's this. You know, the company Automatic, you can buy for them for like 100 bucks. You get this little sensor that you plug into that port underneath your dashboard. And then that sensor connects to your phone, Bluetooth, through Bluetooth, and you download the Automatic app. And then on your app, you can see like what your oil temperature is, what your oil pressure is, what your engine temperature is. If you have your, if your check engine light comes on, it'll automatically tell you what's wrong with your engine. It'll give you the codes for, What's wrong? It'll like and then it'll, it'll translate that to something that's like human readable. So like you might get a string of of numbers that says you know this is the error code that's wrong with your engine, and but it'll tell you in plain in plain English what's wrong with your car. So you don't have to go to a repair shop to get diagnostics on your car. It all goes to your phone, and it's just and it tells you like it'll measure what your miles per hour is, and like it'll keep track of where you're traveling to tell you like how much gas you're using, how much money you've spent on gas this week. Like it's just it's just like the coolest thing ever. Like it really pushes your car from being a car from, you know, the mid to late 90s or, you know, however old your car is to being one of these, you know, Wi-Fi connected 
internet-connected cars that are just coming out in 2016. Um, I mean, it doesn't do anything with media or, like, infotainment stuff. But if you want to know anything about the diagnostics on your cars, like, quick and easy, anywhere in the world, like, this thing will do it for you. And it's just highly recommended. Just go to automatic.com and look it up. That looks pretty cool. Um, I look into that. I, uh, with, with State Farm, I have InDrive, and they, they like, they'll do a couple because I have to plug it into the uh, OBD2 um, port, but it'll, like, if, if I pay a little bit more, they'll, like, tell me what, like, if I have engine issues, they'll tell me what the code is so I have, like, a better idea, and then you don't have to deal with the mechanic. But this seems a lot more in-depth, and I think if I ever get rid of InDrive, I might pick this up because it'd be pretty useful. Not, like, not having, like, mechanics kind of jerk you around and stuff. Yeah, you essentially know exactly what the problem is. You tell the mechanic, "This is the issue. Fix it, please." Um. Alrighty. So my pick of the week is not that exciting. It is a book. Um. It's called Digital Gold, Bitcoin, and the Inside Story of the Misfits and Millionaires Trying to Reinvent Money. Um. So I I got this from Amazon yesterday. Um, I got through the first two chapters so far, and so far it actually seems like a really pretty good book. But essentially it's about just the begins of Bitcoin and how it started and all the real big players and things like that. So the first two chapters I got through, it, it was about um, this guy named Hal who helped um, helped with the starting of Bitcoin and, and things like that. Um, and for me, I got into cryptocurrency um, for a little bit. I haven't really been run any of my miners since then because it, it kind of gets a little bit expensive with the electric bill but um, so far from what I've read it seems like a pretty good book um, and it's available on Amazon right now for $17.81 so if you're interested in Bitcoin as well um, or just cryptocurrency in general or what the future of um, money could be I would say pick this up it'll probably be a pretty good read at least the first two chapters have been uh, pretty decent so um. Yeah, that's all I have to say about it. It's, it's just a book. I'll try to make my pick of the week next week a little bit more exciting. Alrighty. Well, uh, is there any last words you guys want to say? Anything else? I just want to tell people where they can find me on Twitter. <laughs> Alright. So. Well, um, then that's it for episode three of Tech Telegraph. Um, expect episode four to drop next Friday. Uh, July 2nd at around 7 a.m. Um, you can find me, Aaron, on Twitter at Analog Mechanica, which is A-N-A-L-O-G-M-E-C-H-I-N-A. You can find Cody <laughs> at Cody Engel. So Cody underscore Engel, E-N-G-E-L. And you can find Zach on Twitter at Wild191. Wild with a Y, not with an I. And it'll actually be July 3rd. July 3rd, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We'll be recording July 2nd. Yeah, so we'll be available the morning of July 3rd. You can listen to us on lunch. Yeah. Yep. On iTunes, where you can rate us if you want to give us five stars, that'd be awesome. Or Stitcher, if you want to give us five stars, that'd be awesome. Or our website, techtelegraph.co. It's where we will be posting all the show notes and everything like that. Um, 
so you can listen to us there as well. And we're working on trying to figure out other places. We are probably going to be throwing up some smaller clips on SoundCloud. But if you've already listened to this entire episode and you've gotten to this point, the SoundCloud option may not be the best. Um, and I think we have some social media stuff too, right? Yeah, um, we have a page on Facebook. You can just search Tech Telegraph. We'll pop up. Um, like us, follow us, do whatever you want. We post some interesting articles that we don't necessarily talk about on the show every week. Um, so you can look forward to that. We usually try to post one or two a day. You can email us if you really want to do that at techtelegraphpodcast at gmail.com. Please don't try to find any other avenue other than that. Tweet um, at us. Tweet yeah, at us, yes. Yeah. Tweet at any of at any the, the three of us. Facebook message us. Just, just don't email us. We don't like email. We never check it. <laughs> but... Thanks for listening, and I hope you guys enjoyed the episode.